Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. And mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I am your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me, as per always, is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle's senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Now, Eric, dude, great show lined up for tonight. We've got um, an amazing, amazing mock draft. We've got Black Knight in the house tonight to help us to go through and do this mock draft. He's going to be the general manager making the selections as we break down all the players that are available for the Broncos at their current position. But before we get into that, we're going to break down something that Noah Fant said in the usage and whatnot. Anyways, how are we doing, man? Doing good. Extremely tired as we're in the final stretch. It's April. Draft's at the end of the month, so just trying to crank out all the scouting reports I need to and been doing getting two a day up for the past about week and a half for week two weeks or so and it's going to continue all the way up to the day before the draft of cranking up two a day so a little bit tired there i know i have a mock draft in sitting and waiting that chad's supposed to be getting up sometime but as tired as i am there's plenty of excitement for the draft to finally be here excited for the being live throughout the draft that we're going to be the group mock draft that we're going to be doing towards just before the draft so a lot of excitement that all this build up for the draft as always is about to come to an end and fortunately we don't have to we'll have to wait a while as bronco fans before we see the first pick but still is exciting yeah it's it's amazing you know it's always the long build up and the long process i wish that they would either bump the draft up a little bit or you know move a little bit around in the off season and stuff like that to kind of you know not have this long gap between the combine and the opening of free agency. You got six weeks from the opening of free agency to the, to the beginning of the NFL draft. We're four weeks away, exactly four weeks away yesterday. Um, will, would it be the, uh, the first round of the NFL draft? Not that the Broncos are have anything to worry about there unless they trade up into the tail end of the first round. But uh, day two, we will be live covering the entire day two, at least for, from what I understand for sure, maybe day one as well, but we'll be doing the same live draft coverage that we did the last couple of years here on the Huddle Up Podcast Network. And Friday is our day. I mean, that's the Dove Valley Deep Divers Day, so we are going to be super excited to join you there. But, uh, man, this Noah Fant comment that he gave, that he put out the other day talking about his usage, um, I'm fairly certain that you and I have a lot of things to say about this. And for some context, guys, i got to just read you the quote. Um, Noah Fant was interviewed the other day. Um, he was actually – he found out uh, about his trade – to Seattle from the TV and uh, wow, I got some weird sound in my ears. Hold on. Maybe. Anyways, what he said was uh, honestly, like from my perspective, I'm not going to say I've been the perfect prospect drafted in Denver, but I felt like I've done some pretty good things in Denver and had some really good moments. 
but you know, it's a part of the business. I think it's what, uh, kind of what I learned the most from this whole experience. It's, I kind of like, you know, bled orange and blue a little bit. And then when it kind of comes down to it, it's totally understandable. They had a chance at Russell Wilson, but it's anybody's, ex uh, anybody's kind of expendable. So it's just one of those things. Um, hold on. I got to mute this. Sorry, guys. Uh, there's an ad playing in my ears right now. Um, now, to find out that he was traded to the Seattle Seahawks, he actually found out from ESPN. He heard that the Broncos were trading for Russell Wilson, and um, there was like a moratorium on the info getting out, and somebody leaked it before all of the players were notified, and Noah Fant was a guy that really was upset at the way he found out about it. Eric, what do you think about that? I mean, I, I get where he's coming from. Obviously, you want to hear from it from you know, the boss man, not from TV. But as he said, like, it could happen to anybody. And, like, the only way you can really guarantee that you don't hear from a TV is not watch TV. <laughs> so it's – I get where he's coming from, but at the same time, like, man, I mean, like, there's been rumors leading up to it this whole time, and here you are. Eh. Yeah, I – I'm with you on that one. Um, it, it's, it is unfortunate, though, that that is the nature of the beast in, in the NFL. You know, the information passes and changes hands so so quickly, and it changes even faster than that. Like something that you hear 15 minutes ago is actually about 20 years old by the time that you actually get that information in your hands. It, it's crazy. I mean, Eric, I know you and the, the people you talk with and stuff like that um, get as much information as we possibly can. I mean, even guys like Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport, Ben Albright, like they all have – information that comes in like okay this is what i've heard this is what I'll, I'll share you this information but 10 minutes later it can completely change because decision making happens so fast behind the scenes at the nfl that it's like you don't know how to follow along with that and unfortunately for noah fan he kind of got caught in the struggle here now the big quote that i wanted to get um was this one and it was specifically about the way that he was used in denver and he said, quote, I feel like when I came into the league, that's what I was drafted to do, right? He said, making up explosive plays. Uh, get down the field and make those explosive plays and kind of be that pass-catching tight end. And over my time in Denver, I felt like that narrative kind of got muddled down a little bit. It was more of a focus of me catching flat balls or whatever it may be, and then trying to be a shifty guy, an elusive guy, and try to make his break as many tackles as possible to get my yards. I view myself as a downfield threat getting open space then I can make things happen. It was a little frustrating to be used in the short field, close quote. Now, Eric, this goes specifically to something that you and I talked about um, in terms of the way that the Broncos were using him, the, the quick out routes out in the flat, getting the ball quickly. And he's just not shifty enough or elusive enough. And he just kind of pointed it out there to be that guy to go break tackles out in the flat. And that was a sticking point for you and me specifically on uh, the Dub Valley Deep Divers podcast over the past why is this such a blatant, not really overstatement, but perfect statement, I guess, is the, is the way to say that. Well, I wouldn't say it's a perfect statement. And fortunately, I'm not on Twitter where Noah Fant can search out his name to tweet me out in front Ooh. of all of his fans again for saying my take on it. But uh, he's not wrong. His usage in Denver was bad. There's no question about that. There's no denying that. The issue here is that when you go out there on the field, you still have to do what is asked of you, and you have to give it your all. And anybody could turn on Noah Fan's tape and realize, yeah, his effort last year wasn't the best. Yeah, Could have been issues off the field. I mean, with loss and everything like that, there's a lot that could be behind it. But his effort wasn't great, and that's all that there was to it. Like, he wasn't going out there. He wasn't doing the, the giving it all. And 
So like you can sit here and blame the scheme all you want, but you got to sit there and look in the mirror sometimes. And here's the other issue with what he said is two of his biggest plays have come from him catching something in a short or shallow route, breaking tackles and making something happen. That big play against the Texans was out in the flat or not Mm -hmm. in the uh, out route. And then that big play against the Browns was was a crosser where he broke two or three tackles. And here's another thing on top of it that Noah Fant seems to have an issue with. When he was leaving Iowa, he complained about his usage in Iowa as being only just this receiver, deep threat guy, and he was more than that. He could be that blocker and work those short and shallow routes. And now he is that saying that's not how he is. And before a game one one year, I think it was, not last year, but 2020, in a pregame interview with Fox or somebody, he was talking about how breaking tackles is his strength. Like, it seems like that he's just trying to throw, like, no doubt that there's deserved shade here thrown at Pat Shermer. But come on now, like, he's got to look in the mirror a little bit. There was issues with him, and he just seems to trying to be shoved that aside and be like, oh, no, it, none of it was my fault. And it's been an issue with him for, you know, going back to college. I mean, he didn't like that he got beaten out by the um, Hawkinson. Yep, TJ Hawkinson, yep. He didn't like that. He spoke out about that. He spoke out multiple times after games about how he was used. So, like, I don't know. Like, I wish him well in Seattle. I wish him nothing the best. I hope he's able to go out there and have a, and have a great career. But I mean, dude, Twitter search his name. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's one of the biggest red flags that Eric actually has as far as character concerns is Twitter searching your name and uh, joining yourself into the conversation that way. Like, uh, if you get tagged, that's one thing, but to Twitter search your name where you know it's, it's searching Noah Fant or just Fant or something like that, it's it's a pretty big red flag for Eric. I know that for a fact. We're gonna say hello to the chat really fast. Lauren's finally getting a, a chance to catch a show because quote I'm notified on time, but I knew it last year uh, was wasted. Um, yeah, Noah Fant, there's some issues here with me. Um, you're, you're talking about a guy that's, uh, um, used in, in terms of like the flat routes, the shallow outs, the, the quick outs and stuff like that. He's going to a team that runs a very similar system where they're going to use them in the exact same way. They're not going to stretch the field vertically. So he better have the same issues that he has with Denver in Seattle. And he has Drew Locke throwing in the football again. So it, it's a, it's an interesting dichotomy here because you you can be upset about the usage and I agree with him. I definitely agree with him. He does need to be that vertical seam stretching guy, or even as Eric brought up on the the deep crossing route that he had against the the Cleveland Browns, his rookie season broke those couple tackles, took it 75 yards to the hizzy. Like, like this guy has a lot of talent as far as a straight line speed burner. He actually runs a lot better routes than people want to give him credit for, but the effort's just not there. He's not the best blocker. He didn't work on the technique enough. Albert Okwebenam seems to have been able to do that. So, it is a waste, and I, I wanted. There's another one I wanted to grab. It was something about the players that we tr- uh, traded to uh, the Seahawks for Russell Wilson. It was kind of a drag to see Noah Fant be the the one to go. That's uh, that was actually my big opinion because I wanted to see what uh, what Noah Fant would be able to do in a, in an offense that might utilize his skill set a little bit better. But Eric, well, I mean, go ahead. They they would use his skill set as a receiver a little bit better. But I mean, the biggest mm-hmm. thing is he's not a blocker. Right. He's shown that and. You got to block in this scheme from the tight end position. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Michael, one of the biggest supporters of all of the Huddle Up Podcast uh, Network's content, uh, jumping in here to say good evening, Lance and Eric on the Dove Valley Deep Divers. Go Broncos. We'll grab a couple more of these comments really fast. We've got uh, Paul jumping in here. Good to see Paul again. Uh, hit the like button. Tom uh, Tom Laukuff, 
Uh, Wilson doesn't use the tight end much anyways, which is a very good point. So between the all the tight ends for the Seahawks and all the tight ends for the Green Bay Packers the last two years, and the, the reason why I'm looking at both, obviously, Nathaniel Hackett bringing over that, a similar scheme what the Green Bay uses, Russell Wilson with how he uses doesn't really use tight ends anyways. Noah Fant had almost as many targets as both teams' tight ends did. Yeah. Like, they don't really use tight ends that much. It's not a high priority for the Broncos. And Albert Okawebenam, for what they need out of it, he can be he can provide some provide some of what they need. They can go get a guy day three in this pretty talented and deep tight end class, and still have Eric Tomlinson there to be the blocking the blocker that they need. Yeah. So like, don't get me wrong, I would have liked to have seen Fat in this offense, see what he can do, but blocking is sort of non negotiable from the tight end position, and that just was problems there. Yeah. And it's not like tight end is such a high usage position, anyways. Yes, that's absolutely true. Um, say hello to just a couple of quick names here. Rodney Garcia joining the house. Um, we've got, obviously, Black Knights behind the scenes. We're going to grab him here in just a couple of seconds. Uh, Lawrence jumping in again. Uh, Seattle has run first as much as I called out Drew. He's going to be a good scheme fit for Drew. I actually kind of agree with that. Just play safe with the football. Hand the football off. Don't rely on the quarterback to go out and make those plays for you. Take some shots every now and again, and Drew does a good job throwing the deep ball. So it's going to be fun to see how he kind of translates. I do hope the best for the guy, even though I'm not necessarily a huge fan of him anymore. I do hope that he does actually grow into the player that I thought he could be when he was coming out of Missouri. It'll, so, be, interesting. It'll be interesting to see what he can do behind Baker Mayfield. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. Uh, Peter Middleton jumping in here from Cambodia as well. Uh, Desert Creature. We've got uh, Ernie as well uh, joining on YouTube. Ernie on YouTube. That's nice. Uh, Ernie Mays is one of the biggest Facebook fans that we have. Like that guy is all, every time I post something, he jumps in on, on the comments and says, go Broncos. Like he, he, he knows like that's the dude. Uh, Gary Leeds Palmer jumping in here. Go Broncos. Let's ride. Yeah. Uh, yes, absolutely. Let's ride. Uh, Duke Mondrafen as well. Um, Jay Kozad, David Wilder. I think that pretty much ca uh, gets us kept caught up on the, uh, the chat stream so far for tonight. So without any further ado, Eric has the uh, – oh, we got David jumping in here. Nothing to say, just showing some love on Facebook, dropping us some stars. And, David, thank you, man. We appreciate that. Eric has the Draft Network Mock Draft Simulator pulled up. We're already set up for the, the number 64 overall pick, but we would be remiss if we did not introduce our special guest for tonight's show, Jeremy Black Knight 232 I believe, is his, is his name on Twitch. 323, I believe, on Twitter. Jeremy, what's going on, man? Unfortunately, we can't see your face, but at least we can still hear you. How's it going, guys? Sorry, uh, I just got home. I actually just got back from Montgomery, so I didn't really have a whole lot of time to get my camera set up. Yeah, it is what it is. As long as we can hear you, that's fine. We're all good to go. So uh, how excited are you? Go I'm ahead. doing good. I was really wanting to show off my collection of mobile suits, so that way it make Eric look jealous. But unfortunately, <laughs> I can't do it. Uh, Eric, Eric's what's, what's, what's... Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, let's not turn this to a geek podcast. <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's all right. We can nerd out on some Star Wars really fast. I know that for sure there's going to be uh, a couple of Star Wars references at least once or twice from Eric throughout the show. Uh, Kevin oh. jumping in here with a quick super chat. Uh, better prospect, uh, uh, Trevor Penning or Bernard Raymond. Hashtag let's ride. Eric, what do you think? Penning. I mean, I'm a big fan of both of them. Penning's the better prospect. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's looking at being a top 15 pick. Raymond, I think he cracks the first round, but it'll be late in the first round. Yeah. yeah, I would like to see us get Trevor Penning, but I highly doubt it. Yeah. 
I, I don't think he's going to make it that far. I mean, even if he does get, fall into the, the 20s or something like that, I don't think the Denver Broncos are going to be able to trade up to get into range to grab him in the first place. Uh, we talked about that a couple of times now on DVDD over the last couple of weeks. Uh, David Wilder jumping in here again. Uh, good evening, Lance and Eric in Broncos country. I agree with what Noah Fant said. He was never used correctly in Denver. I wonder what could have been uh, under Coach Hackett and our new offense, but we have Russ now, and that makes me happy. Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Hashtag mile high huddle for life. Absolutely. And David, I'm there with you 100%. Yeah. 100%. That's, that's what right. I was getting at. It's like he, he wasn't used correctly, but his effort wasn't the best either. And his effort wasn't enough to really be like, oh, hey, yeah, let's keep this guy around. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of players last year had issues showing effort, and a lot of them are now gone. Yeah. So. so Jeremy, aside from this mock draft, dude, I know that you're a Twitch streamer. I know you play a, a lot of video games right now. What are you playing currently? What are you working on and how are you doing on that, on that side of things? Uh, I'm playing brood war right now. Old, nice. very old game. And, uh, it's taxing my brain to almost the maximum capacity that I can play at. <laughs> <laughs> when you only got a 12 unit selection and you got to play, like you don't have the ability to keep everything under one control group. Like it's, it, it's a mess if you don't yeah. know what you're doing and it's yeah. very hard to play. Yeah. Well, speaking of hard to play and speaking of being under one control group, we are going to be your scouting staff for tonight. Jeremy, you're going to be George Payton playing that role of taking the players that we have. Now, Eric has us loaded up for number 64 overall. Eric, if you want to pull that in really fast and we'll kick this mock draft off the right way. Um, let's see here. Top four players or top five players available on the board. We have Matt Corral, the quarterback from Ole Miss, Kenneth Walker, the third running back from Michigan State, DeMarvin Leal, interior defensive lineman, edge player kind of from Texas A&M, uh, Brees Hall, running back from Iowa State, uh, one of my guys, Chad Muma, the linebacker from Wyoming, Trey McBride, tight end from Colorado State, Travis Jones, interior defensive lineman from UConn, Dylan Parma, uh, Parham from Memphis as well, and Josh Paschal, the edge from Kentucky. Now, Eric. Obviously, we know the Broncos need to address the offensive line position. They need to address cornerback, uh, potentially a linebacker, safety, interior defensive line, and the edge. Of the guys you're seeing here right now, what seems to be the best fit and fills the biggest need for this team going into the NFL draft? Well, the best thing here would be to trade down. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't like how this board fell for Denver. I know Travis Jones is sitting right there. I doubt he gets it past – I doubt he makes it past 30 come actual draft. Um, and with DJ Jones, as fun as it would be to have Jones, Jones, and Jones on the defensive line, Travis Jones, I mean, DJ Jones, you're not playing either one of them full-time as the four-eye technique. Um, honestly, as much as I have much, as much concerns I have about DeMarvin Leal, uh, he's a guy that can kind of stand up out of a two-point, be a three-point interior rusher, sit a little bit similar to Draymond Jones with the size and what he brings to it. He wouldn't be a bad guy, but the guy a bad option. But the one I'm really looking at is Josh Pachel out of Kentucky. Um, he came back, beat cancer, came back and had had some really good, um, really good games. A couple good years there. Um, so he's one that I'm looking at. This he's another, he's one of those guys that I think can be that that hybrid on the defensive line, edge, stand up, play down, depending on what you what you need for. And I actually. I think I have Leal rated higher than him just because I think Leal is a little bit more athletic and a little more, um, I guess, refined as a pass rusher, I guess. But I, I like Pascal a little bit more personally because I think he's not as big of a liability against the run. 
Um, if you want to look at tackles, I know Abraham Lucas is still on the board, and that's a big name for the Broncos here with the 64th yeah. Abraham Lucas. Um, sound pass protectors, has some issues against the run game, um, hasn't allowed, allowed many sacks in his career. He's not a great athlete. There's some movement skill questions, but he did pretty well at the combine showing his movement ability. And for me, it's a little bit of a reach um, at this point. And according to the Draft Network board, it's a little bit of a reach as well. Um, but yeah, those are, I mean, really it comes down to Pascal or Lucas. Which do you want? Do you want the guy who can play, get after the quarterback or protect the quarterback? I think that a big thing here is you got to focus on the the bigger need. And right now with the with the Broncos, obviously they brought in Randy Gregory, who has injury question marks right now. Obviously had the the scope on his shoulder just a couple of days ago. You've got Bradley Chubb, who has uh, hasn't really been healthy over the last couple of seasons now. Um, torn ACL, had both of those surgeries on his ankles and whatnot. Um, so that's a big need, and it's a bigger need because of the moves that the Broncos made in free agency. I would rather wait on a tackle here and go and get a premier edge defender. Or even if you're if like, in my opinion, right now, you got to take, which is one of the best players on the board in Chad Muma, like pairing him with Baron Browning, there's a high end athleticism. There's a lot of uh, high football IQ there. They fit the run really well. They can cover both of those guys can play really well. That might be your inside linebacker duo for the, uh, uh, for the future. Now, Jeremy, I'm going to bring you into this here. And where where are you looking here? If, if, with the Broncos at number 64, where are you looking? And give us a couple players to kind of narrow this down. We'll make a pick here in a second. Well, Chad Muma was one that I, I really like. Um, very athletic. Um, and plus, what you guys said, he you, you pair him with Baron Browning, you got a good linebacker duo for a couple seasons. Edge is something that I think we really need to look at. And Lucas, the offensive tackle, but those are the three biggest ones that I really think that we need to focus. Those are the three players I like the most. Um, let's see. I'm just reading this comment, too. I, I got, like, multiple screens popped up so I can read everything. <laughs> oh, you're good. It's Lawrence Rivera jumping in here. So, so everybody hear me out. If we go out and trade Jerry Judy to go up in the draft to get another wide receiver because everybody got their receivers during free agency – I figure it can help our picks and still get a good wide receiver later or the tight end out of Colorado state, uh, Trey McBride. Um, that'd be an interesting <laughs> move. Uh, Eric has got some very big takes on this. I'm going to grab that. There's another super chat here from Tom, uh, $5 super. Thank you, Tom, for that. I don't think we have good options at right. Or I think, excuse me, he says, I think we have good options at right tackle. If a good one falls draft him, if you like him, but what happens when Darby gets hurt a game starting? No. Um, yeah, that's a that's a pretty good point. That's kind of what I was saying. I I really do think that Muma should be the pick here. Muma or Pascal, because Lucas you can wait on, and there's a couple of, of options later in the draft. Braxton Jones being one, Max Mitchell being another one that you can that you can bring into the to fill that right tackle position for the future. Because you you went out, you got Tom Compton, you went out and you got um Billy Turner, uh, Calvin Anderson's expected to compete for that right tackle position. If you want to throw another dart at it, make it a little bit later pick, get another guy that fills another need. And Muma and Pascal are probably the two guys I'm looking at here. I mean, when you look at the tackle position, as you said, with Turner and Compton and Anderson is when you look at them, they're a lot closer than a lot of people realize. Turner is not some tremendous talent above the rest. Right. Um, so you can, you can sit there and you can wait. I mean, there's Matt. Well, let's go. There's a Ben Ease. There's mm -hmm. other tackle options that can fit that developmental guy. They're all in one-year deals. 
Chad Muma's a fine pick. I still question the value of linebacker this early. I'm really glad you didn't say Trey McBride. There's no need for Denver to take a tight end this early. I think they should add one, but not till later. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look at the edge position, you are another injury away from Malik Reed being a starter, and that is one thing that you've got to do your the best you can to keep from happening because Malik Reed is really bad. Yep. So Pascal's the guy I go with. Muma's not bad, and it's nothing against Muma. It's just at this point, with how little that we're expecting to use the Broncos to use the linebacker position, you don't need to spend a 64th overall pick on it, especially when linebacker, like tight end, is pretty deep and it's a pretty good class. Yeah. Well, I'd, uh, I'd, can I'd, I ask you out too? Can I ask you out too something real quick? Yep. yep. What's his coverage grade against tight ends specifically? Like if we had to go Kansas City, uh, is he, would he be good against um, God? What's his, I'm having a brain fart on his name Tra- today. Travis Kelsey. Uh, yeah. Would he be good against him? Chuck Moon was fine. I mean, he's he, he's a little bit more athletic, but not quite as instinctive as Jose Jewel in coverage. Um, but, I mean, with the way that you're going to be covering the tight ends out of the scheme is you're going to be using, like, bracketed coverage. It's not going to be a single guy up on him. Um, okay. So he, he, could, he could definitely help there. But I don't think it's a huge step more than what you're getting out of Jersey Jewel, really. That's true. That's a very true point. All right, so Jeremy, the time has come. We'll grab this uh, comment from Travis really fast, but we need to make a pick, man, get, get us moving into the third round here. Uh, Travis says, good evening, Lance, Eric, and Broncos country, and hello to Jeremy. Sorry to interrupt. Just wanted to say I can see fans' frustration. We were all uh, we all were frustrated with that staff. But also he needs to remember that he is a tight end, and they are using blocking and the short game. I agree with you, Eric. Trade down. And also uh, the reports, are they legit about Tyron Matthew or is it April Fool's deal? Um, I've seen a lot of conflicting stuff on the, the Tyron Matthew deal. Uh, let's uh, We'll come back to that here in just a couple minutes. Jeremy, Denver Broncos, number 64 overall pick. Who are we taking? Uh, the Pascal kid from Kentucky, the edge there you player. Go. There you go. Bendy player, good athlete, um, tremendous leader. This kid is an awesome leader. Um, he did a really funny commercial a while ago. Um, it was part of the NIL deals. He was a part of a, a dentist, and he was blocking kids and, and families and stuff like that from um, eating a whole bunch of sweets. And it was it was absolutely hilarious. But this kid, um, he beat cancer, uh, plays really hard on the field, decent run defender, um, decent length, decent, decent athleticism, has some bend to him. I like this pick. I want a guy that can maybe slide down inside a little bit more. Eric, what do you think of Josh Pascal really quick? I like him. I mean, he's got that inside-outside versatility. I think he would make for some creative NASCAR packages from the Broncos. If they, I mean, and if they want to go after the quarterback with more blitzers, something that we didn't see under Vic Bangio, have that aggressiveness there, then he's a good fit for it. And he's, I mean, being able to sit behind, not being forced into like a large role right away, behind Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory is great for him as he gets a little bit of year, get his feet wet, um, and just be able to go on next year. I mean, Bleak Reed and Bradley Chubb are both free agents after this year, so it gives him a chance to develop for that. And Colby comes in with it with some stars. Thank you, Colby. We appreciate that. Thanks, Colby. Appreciate you, man. All right, pick number seventy-five. This board has fallen wild right now because Matt Corral, a p- potential projected first-round pick, has fallen all the way down to uh, number seventy-five. You got Brees Hall from Iowa State. Travis Jones again falling here. Carson Strong, quarterback from Nevada. Isaiah Likely, a tight end from Coastal Carolina that I really like. Um, Darian Kennard, interior defensive lineman from Kentucky. Darian Beavers, linebacker from Cincinnati. Um, probably not a, a three-down play. 
player at the NFL level. The coverage ability is not quite there with Beavers, but as a thumper, a guy you can get in first and second down, add some depth, add some special teams prowess here. There's a couple of names here that are very intriguing, but nothing that I'm necessarily looking at for the Broncos here. Um, Scroll down a little bit, Eric. You got Drake Jackson, Channing Tindall, the linebacker. From, there you go. That's a name to watch out. Channing Tindall, linebacker from Georgia. Um, Kate Otten, Jeremy Rucker, Troy Anderson from uh, Montana State. A couple of linebackers that are down the board a little bit that I really like for the Broncos right here. Um, Eric, what do you think so far? I mean, with how the board fell, um, I'm looking at the linebackers here. And the one thing that really stands out to me is Troy Anderson, uh, Montana State kid who tore up the combine he tore it up at the senior bowl he's been really impressive every step of the way he had a very interesting career at montana state going linebacker quarterback running back linebacker and even splitting time like he's just done a little bit of everything he sees the field really well mm-hmm. good athlete very aware going to be a little interesting to see that jumping competition but the Broncos I mean they have Jonas Griffith who they seem to be really like and he sounds to be the one that's going to be getting that chance to compete for to take that starting job next to Josie Jewell you have Josie Jewell you can help Troy Anderson like that would be a good pick there I don't mind Channing Tindall here I do like Anderson a little bit more if you want to go tight end here Isaiah Likely is the top guy and I don't think Denver would but Brees Hall at this point is really good value and Great he value. A, I mean, yeah, tremendous value. And he's good complimentary back to work with Javante Williams and really keep that one-two punch. I agree with you on that. Brees Hall is probably the best pass protector in this in this draft class. He does a really good job out of the backfield as a receiver as well. Um, patient runner. It gets his feet through the hole quickly. He's not super choppy. Um, but I'm with you on the first guy that you talked about. And so is Tom. Jumping in here with a $2 super chat. Troy Anderson, he's going to be great. I think that that is probably the way that you need to go. He's more athletic than Chad Muma is for sure. And he just absolutely destroyed the combine. He destroyed the senior bowl as well. To me, Troy Anderson all the way. Uh, Jeremy, what do you think, buddy? Well, I guess the uh, the fans have spoken. It's going to be uh, Troy Anderson. Okay, Troy Anderson, the newest Denver Broncos, number 75 overall. Um Eric, you brought up a really good point. Playing at Montana State, the jumping competition is going to be something interesting to pay attention to. Uh, as you said, he's got some time to develop. You can use him on special teams because he has good length. He can move around. He's a, a very good athlete again. Um, solid tackler, and that might be the best way that you can see him on the field early as a Broncos rookie, but at the same time, fills that future need, um, gets you some more athleticism as a coverage linebacker. I like this pick a lot. He's a good one. Lawrence Rivera comes in and says, who would score more in a tight end to wide receiver battle, Hopkins or Grok, to go back to my Judy situation? Um, not sure what you mean. Like, it, There's so many variables with it, but based off quarterback and everything. So not really sure there on like what exactly you're asking. Yeah. <laughs> 96 overall. Like, There's – there's no way that Brees Hall is still going to be here, but that is easily the best player on this board right now. Um, there are some rumors saying that he could be the first running back taken in this class. Um, and like it, it, potentially even at the tail end of the first round, there's a lot of people that really like Brees Hall. Um, as far as Eric's, I'm, Eric's kind of searching the board here. You've got Kate Ott in the tight end from Washington, Greg Dulcich from UCLA, Fedarian Mathis, interior defensive lineman from Alabama, James Cook, another quality running back that Eric has a scouting report up on uh, milehighhuddle.com. 
Sam Williams, another edge. And I'm not shy of taking another edge in this class. This class is very deep. There's a lot of high-quality, versatile players. Sam Williams is a guy that has some character red flags. But at the same time, the talent is uh, easily puts him into the second-round conversation. Jake Ferguson from the tight end is Washington from Washington as well here. Um, a lot of quality players here. But the, the way that this has fallen, you have to take Brees Hall, in my opinion. Like, there's no way he's going to be here. This is tremendous value. Like, that, that's the guy. So, Jeremy, are there any positions you specifically want me to look at? Uh, let's see what we got here. Um, do you, what round do you think we could grab a grab a tackle in the fourth, maybe? Uh, let's pull it up and see who's left. So, Cordell Volson, Matt Willetsko, Braxton Jones, Max Mitchell, um, Kellen Deesh, Dear Rosenthal. Those guys are all still left, and I think that when we get to that 115th, 116th pick that the Broncos have – I mean, I still think Matt Willetsko will be there. Um, I still think that – I mean, I still think basically all those guys will be there. Matt Willetsko is the one name to really keep an eye on for it. Braxton Jones I really like there as yep. well. So there's definitely options. And, I I mean, if you wanted to go here, I have no issue with that because Willetsko and Jones both have tremendous upside that – I mean, it's not hard to see their worth as a top 100 pick. Uh, but it's also a position that you could definitely, I think, hold off a bit because there's still a lot of talent left on the board. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think I I, I just want to see what was left. I didn't know what we had. Um, uh, now I'm not familiar with the Iowa running. Is it Iowa State or is it Iowa running back? Iowa yeah, I, I'm not really familiar with uh Mr. Hall here. So um, um, there's I, there, there's I mean every player they have their concerns about him. Um, he didn't, if I remember right, he didn't test out extremely great. He tested out fine. Um, he's a good receiver out of the backfield. He's He'll bring it as a blocker. He's not afraid of that. There is some similarities there with Javante Williams to really have a pretty good, powerful duo. duo. But I think Brees Hall is a little has a little bit more elusiveness with him to be used in this outside zone scheme. He has good vision and just and complement Javante Williams as well. The, the one knock that I have on him is he's not necessarily a huge home run hitter. He's not going to just break away runs. like And that's a big concern with Javante Williams as well. Now, Javante has those big runs because he runs guys over and he just continues to work his way down the field. Brees Hall is not a tackle breaker like that. He, he has the ability to elude and stuff, but he's not a guy that's going to take it to the house for you. Um, as far as what else we've got here, there's a couple of decent tight ends. Uh, Kate Otten is a good one that, that I really like there coming from um, – from Washington. Dulcich out of UCLA is another good one. And Jake Ferguson, who seems to be falling right now, is, is another guy in this range that would be okay. Um, I, I like Sam Williams a lot, though, too. And he's got some versatility to play a little bit off ball. It plays a really good edge defender, good run defender. Um, that would be another direction that I would look at. And I don't know. It's, it's tough between the edge because we're, like you guys said, if if uh oh uh crap i forgot his name the free agent edge guy Gregory. Fine. yeah if he gets hurt and then we're gonna have the same problem of uh having the other backup edge guy be our starter so as much as i would love to have james cook or bryce hall i think doubling up on the edge would probably be our best bet that way it safeguards us against not having to have rely on like people that really want to be playing <laughs> Now, up there. With, Sam, with Sam Williams, it is worth noting that there were some off-field issues with him that teams have definitely have to clear up. 
Um, yeah, that'd be. Outside of that, I mean, outside of that, he would probably be a top fifty pick. Um, so it's that point of where you'd be comfortable taking that risk on him. Um, it's so it's um, sexual assault stuff, which is something that's always uh, can be a touchy subject. So something to keep in mind with that as well. And edges, I mean, I'm all for I'm all for it. I really like Sam Williams. It's just one of those things of got to be comfortable for an actual NFL teams. They have to be comfortable with the off field stuff and what they're getting with him and who he is. As yeah. Okay. Well then that pretty much just changed that whole dynamic. Cause I didn't know he had those yeah. up on him. Um, Cook or Hall. What's the, who's the better? I know you said Hall's a little bit better cause he's got more versatility. He's got better vision. Uh, Cook is what's, what's his, what's his deal? Um, James Cook is basically the ideal compliment to Javante Williams. He really is. Is uh, He's Dalvin Cook's little brother and plays a lot like him. Uh, a little bit faster, though. I think that he actually has a little bit more breakaway speed than Dalvin does. Um, good receiver out of the backfield. Actually, a better receiver than Brees Hall is. Not quite the pass protector, but as Eric says, he is the perfect fit, the perfect dynamic fit to uh, compliment Javante Williams. I think I'd take Cook as much. I know there's other players, but I think you can't just pass – you can't pass him up on there. That's that's He's a very there. good point. That's a very good point. Eric, why don't you break down Cook a little bit more for us while we wait on this board to fall? Actually, never mind. We we just got back right to the board, so we'll jump back into – what is this, pick number 115. Uh, Eric's most favorite player in this draft, Matt Areza, the, the punter from San Diego State, is available right now. You've also got Martin Emerson, a cornerback from Mississippi State, who I thought he'd have been long gone by this particular point. Apparently, the draft network is a little bit lower on him than I am. Uh, Tyreek Smith, the edge from Ohio State. Josh Joby, a cornerback from Alabama that I used to like last year. He didn't develop nearly enough. I wish that he kind of got a little bit better in coverage, more fluid. Um, D'Angelo Malone, an edge that uh, was pointed out to me the other day, um, one of the good friends of the show. Uh, but Eric actually did a mock draft with D'Angelo Malone. I like this kid a lot. Another edge uh, from Western Kentucky. Uh, Tyler Beatty running back from Missouri. Kyron Williams running back from Notre Dame. Probably not going to go in, the, in that direction. To me, you got to take a look at these cornerbacks. You've got to take a look at D'Angelo Malone, man. I mean, it depends on what you're looking for. If you want somebody who's going to be a strong um, run defender on the boundary, then you're not looking at Emerson. I mean, he's fine in coverage, but his run defense is – not great. There's some physicality issues there. Um, D'Angelo Malone, it's a similar issue. He's a really good pass rushing prospect. He's just a bit of a problem and not quite the same as big of a liability against the run as Malik Reed, but he's not much better there. And at least with D'Angelo Malone, you have more of a pedigree that you can sit there and work with. You have more athletic traits and more length and the, yep. the um, builds to work with with D'Angelo Malone to develop him a little bit and uh, go from there. Then Matarasia, I mean, somewhat joking here. Sam Martin, you'd be able to move on from him. Matarasia, he has the ability to be a punter and a kicker, although you'd likely want to focus in on one. Huge leg could be a tremendous weapon in mile high huddle or in in my in the mile high. <laughs> <laughs> the issue is, is with Russell Wilson. Like, if Denver didn't go get Russell Wilson and we we're still looking at Drew Locke and somebody else, then I'd be all for Matarasia here to use that weapon to really flip field position with Russell Wilson shouldn't be as big. Got a question here coming in from RJ. Um, Alante Taylor or Jelani Woods, are those guys potentially available? Um, 
Does not look like Elante Taylor is, but I know Jelani Woods is, and I'm a huge fan of Jelani Woods. Yeah, super. Athletic tight end, tough blocker. I mean, there's a lot of upside with him. He kind of got overshadowed at the combine because um, Chigo Chigo Okonkwo kind of like just tested out of the park there. But I'm a big fan of Jelani Woods. At this point, I really want to be looking at the cornerback depth, but it's just not the best unless you're willing to take Martin Martin Emerson or MJ Emerson. Um, and deal with his issues as a run defender and try to fix that. Yeah. Uh, Tom jumping in here and kind of agrees with that. He says cornerback, I think, is a huge need when playing in dime. And it sounds like the Broncos are going to be playing a lot of nickel and dime, um, some 425, 4-1-6 kind of looks and stuff like that, four down linemen. Well, I guess two down linemen, two edge defenders, one linebacker, five or six defensive backs, something like that. And I agree with with Tom here. Cornerback is a huge need, but I mean, Joby is probably a, a guy that's a boundary-only guy. Martin Emerson can play the slot, but he's not a great run defender. Um, it, it just doesn't necessarily fit with what the Broncos have because they have Ronald Darby. They have Pat Sertan. Uh, they have Michael uh, Ojemudia that plays on the boundary-only. They need a slot guy. They need a nickel cornerback. And these guys just don't necessarily project very well there. Um, Eric, I, I really do uh, – Kobe Bryant might be an interesting one. He's still more boundary cornerback. Um, a Caleb Evans would be a decent one here as well. But I mean, it's right now it's it's really rough taking a, a player that high when you have a guy like D'Angelo Malone sitting right there in front of you, and you need edge depth as well. So, Jeremy, which way are you thinking? Hmm. Well, we do need corner help, but it's not looking any good. And I really don't know much about. Uh, Monteric Brown from Arkansas, because I really don't know the grade on him. I would take D'Angelo Malone just to shore up the defense, the edge position. But if you got a good punter just sitting right there, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, if you want to have a good, you want to have a stacked roster, get the best players. And if he's just sitting there, you don't look a gift horse in the mouth. So I'd, I'd first to take Matt. If it was just me, I take I take the punter all day every day, but <laughs> lock it in, lock it in. I'm about this life. I'm about this life. Let's have a punter. Let's have a, this kid was so tremendous at the combine. He uh, he actually had a I think it was like a 74 yard punt that that actually hit the end line. It, it bounced once and then hit the end line, and it would have been really close to being a touch or uh, uh, down at the one yard line. But if there was coverage, uh, coverage defenders, there's guys uh, covering the punt. Like this and, kid's tremendous, and you still have you're the next pick here too as well. So you can get D'Angelo Malone if you want him as well. Yeah, you know I just want to see him ricochet a football off of uh, that that big old jumbotron or not jumbotron, <laughs> but the big old thing that Dallas has. I just want to see him just ricochet one off of that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be make for some. Uh, Headlines there. Uh, let's just yeah, let's just do De- uh, D'Angelo Malone shore up that shore up that edge position because I really really think that our edge is just not like behind Bradley Chubb. I mean, what happens when he goes down? You're you're, you're you got nobody to really step up. Yeah. yeah. No, I know I know Chad's kind of Chad was kind of having a field day about the punter in the third. But I yeah, mean, I he, he's a he's a weapon on special teams, mm-hmm. like, and that's always nice to have, especially in my eye. And it's not just that he has a big leg; he's got good accuracy with it. Yep. And also, there's that fact that you can turn to him to be a kicker too. If anything were to happen, knock on wood, to Brandon McManus, you have him. If time comes up and Brandon McManus is wants out, well, you can see what Arasia does as you know as the kicker too, and you can have this dual position, open up a roster spot elsewhere. 
not something that I think will really happen in the NFL. They like to have one person for each of those, but you, he gives you that option. Um, and honestly, with how things seem to be, it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up as a top 120 pick, really, yeah. um, just because of how big his leg can be. Now, looking here, there's, I mean, tackle, we got to look at tackle. Braxton Jones is still there. He is. That's the guy. Like, there's a lot of tackles that you can still work with. Obena Ease, who had who has vines for arms. And the big thing with tackle is that it's fine to wait on this year because you have those mm-hmm. three guys that compete for the starting job. And you can take that developmental guy a little bit later. Yeah. And they have options with those guys, with those guys, the three that they have now, they're on one year deals. So they can sit there and if the developmental guy's not ready yet, they can try to extend him again. Yeah. So this is definitely, I think, the right place to be looking at. Braxton Jones or Max Mitchell. Yeah, and Joey Budke is upset. He says that we got to take a tackle. He said a tackle earlier with a bunch of exclamation points. We looked at it as soon as we looked at it. He said we got to go with Braxton Jones, uh, Southern Utah kid that was really impressive at the Senior Bowl. Uh, impressive athlete. I believe he was sub five in the um, in the forty yard dash. Not that the forty yard dash means a lot, but there is some translation there. Guys that move very well. He, he is a, a fluid mover. Um, good in the in the three cone as well. Like this is a guy that potentially has starter upside. He might take a couple of years to get there, especially with the small school. But Braxton Jones, Max Mitchell is another guy I really like a lot as well. Um, he's from Louisiana. He didn't run very well. He didn't test very well either. And his fluid fluidity on the field wasn't great. But every time I turn on the tape, it shows me something different. He's out there in front a lot. I like both of these guys. Can't go wrong here with either one of these tackles. Now, Braxton Jones, what's his knock? What's that? What's the only knock for them? Because I think that thing we do need because everybody's saying get Jones. What's his only knock? Or what's well, his certain knocks? How about that? The the big thing with him is that they're that he's he tends to open himself up on the inside. He'll guard the outside lane yep. extremely well. And I think Arizona State was a game where they just ate him up by that initial attack outside, counter step inside, and just caused all sorts of havoc so you have to develop that he's not a guy who you can move inside to guard either um he is just a tackle only prospect though he does have the potential to play on either side which is always nice and there's just i mean just technical work on top of technical work and making that jump from southern utah to the nfl with needing that i mean he's definitely a guy that he could possibly start this year but it's not ideal you want him sitting for that year and to be developed yeah. yeah, Peter Middleton jumping in here really fast saying, I don't trust our offensive line depth. Um, it's not nearly as bad as you think. It, it's not the top end depth, but there's guys there that the, are they're quality players at every one of those positions. So the big thing is, is that Tom Compton and Billy Turner both have the ability to play inside as well. Yep. I'm, I'm fine with the interior offensive line stuff because of that aspect. Yeah. Because whichever one doesn't win the starting tackle job, or if neither of them do, Calvin Anderson takes a step forward. You can look at them being working on the inside. I'd still look to add one a little bit later, a developmental guy. But, I mean, at this point, is I'm looking at Jones. Yeah, that's where I'm at, too. Yeah, I think everybody's in uh, chats and agreement, too. Let's just go ahead and grab Braxton Jones. Yeah, there's one thing I want to address with what Eric said really fast as far as the interior offensive line. You're absolutely correct, Eric, as far as you've got a, a handful of guys that can play. I mean, obviously, Graham Glasgow, Dalton Reisner. You've got Quinn Miners there as well. Lloyd Cushenberry, if you, you can continue to develop and, and become a little bit stronger at the center position. Um, but 
Billy Turner and Tom Compton, they're only here for one year. And Graham Glasgow is in the last year of his deal as well. This might be a class where you can go in and get a, a guy like a Cole Strange from Chattanooga, um, maybe a, a Kellen Deesh or uh, uh, even a guy like Braxton Jones that has some versatility to him that can play on the inside as well. Um, I, I think that the interior offensive line with where we're at right now is is fine. But if you want to take a, a flyer on a guy on day three and say, this is our developmental kid, we need to kind of, you know, shore up the depth for the long term, that would be a pretty decent idea, at least in my opinion. That's why I said that you could add a guy on the interior a little bit later. Yep. Sorry, I, mean, I, I was reading the comment too, so I missed that. Apologies. Um, and with the interior offensive line, it's not really one of those positions that you want to address as a need before it's a need. Mm-hmm. And I think that Denver, if they really wanted to, I'd, don't think they have any issue bringing back Tom Compton or Billy Turner after this year for additional depth. Obviously, you have Dalton Reiser being a free agent, but you they still have Graham Glasgow under contract. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a guy right there. They're developing Quinn Miners. So, they, they, it's not like they don't have options on the interior either. Yeah. All right, so pick number 206 right here. Um, Eric has the cornerback board pulled up, so I'm guessing he's targeting a specific player here in the seventh round. Um, Kalen Barnes from Baylor. You got Matt Hankins from Iowa. Demarion Williams from Houston. Kyler uh, McMichael from North Carolina. Sam Webb um, from Missouri Southern. Is that right? I think that's it was it was Missouri's Missouri State or Missouri Southern. I can't remember exactly where he's from. Um, Jermaine Waller, uh, Missouri Western. Okay, apologies for that. Uh, uh, Darrell Baker Jr. from Georgia Southern. Eric, what do you got going in uh, in your in your dome piece up there? What's up, man? Well, I was just looking at corners. It wasn't specifically targeting him. I do notice that we haven't taken the corner, and yeah. George, we all know George Payton's love for corners. Yeah. Um. He he's got the posters of just all these corners hanging up in his room. So it's one position <laughs> that you definitely got to look at. Just a quick look at seeing who else is available, and I mean, corner, corner, safety, safety, and one of those two, one of those four guys. Or even Demarion Williams, who I think can really do well inside as a slot corner. Matt Hankins, or Hankins, I think is a little bit better inside. Kalen Barnes had one, I believe, the fastest time at the combine for the forty, actually. Yeah. Um, out of Baylor, I mean Baylor just put up a bunch of speedsters. Um, still has a lot to work on as uh, being a quarterback, but and Nick Grant, he's one that Denver actually is visiting with as well, which is obvious is worth noting, and they have been linked to. Um, Juanea Jonea. I'm not sure how to say this person. Thomas out of Georgia Tech. Nick Grant was the guy that I was kind of looking at just because I knew that the Broncos uh, were taking a look at him. I haven't got a chance to watch him specifically, so why don't you break him down just a little bit? Nick Grant? Yep. I mean, he's got some good versatility. He can definitely lay the wood. Um, watching him, it reminds me a little bit of Kareem Jackson with how physical he can be, and sometimes okay. that it can be a little problematic for your teammates. But he can drop down. He can play the he can play the slot. I don't think he's the, that's the best option. And if you're looking for just a pure slot guy, then I'm looking at Demarion Williams. Yeah. Um, going coming in to compete with um, Jermaine Johnson for that third safety spot, Nick Grant will do that, and he would be a good contributor right away on special teams as a gunner. Yeah. So uh, Peter jumping in here, and he says wide receiver speedster and special teams returner. Do, do any of these players have uh, any special teams versatility as far as a punt returner, kick returner? The guys that are available, at least at the top of the board? Um, Kalen Barnes, I think, could offer up some returnability when you look at the speed, and I think he's got some shiftiness as well. Um, but if you're looking for a return specialist, then let me see here. Let me scroll down. Kalen Geiger out of Texas Tech. I mean, that dude, he brings it as a spe- as a return specialist. Um, you can find certain ways to use him on offense, 
But I mean, his way to a roster spot will be as a return specialist. All right, Jeremy, what do you think, man? Where are we going here? Well, it depends on if we get if Tyrone Matthew, if we sign him, what we do there. Uh, just for the special teams, or actually, you know what? No, I'll take that back. Nick Grant would be a good choice. I like what you guys said about him. He's he'd make a impact right away. And I think we can always use an extra safety just in case something happens. Yeah, that's true. I mean, mentioning the hunting badger, I know Jordan um, Jordan Schultz reported out there that Denver was interested in it. It's been refuted by a couple other reporters, and everything that I've heard is that Denver being thrown out with interest there is more so agents on his side trying to make them to see more interest. Um, we'll see. I mean, if Denver could add Matthew, I mean that'd be great, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, speaking of the honey badger, we got a couple of super chats here, and one of them is a shout, like a callback to last year. The second one, we're gonna throw Tom up first. This is Eric. Do you think if we sign the honey badger, can uh, Caden Stern stay on the field as well and drop down and be able to keep up with the wide receivers? I think you actually got that a little bit backwards. I think that uh, Honey Badger might be the guy that you play down in the slot if you're going to run three safeties and keep Caden Stearns on the back half and the two high. Eric, what do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, either way, they both have the versatility to do it. Tyron Matthew, I mean, he dropped down to the nickel quite often. It's something that he can do. I mean, he's tough. He's physical. There's some concerning about his age, but I don't think he's slowing down just yet, so I still think he has a few good years left. But yeah, I mean, you, can, you have versatility with either way. Yeah. So, and then the second one here, Dehane jumping in here with a $5 super. And thank you both for joining us and for all of your guys' support, guys. He says, Lance loves any safety with the last name Grant. And damn it, he's right. He's right. Richie Grant at 40 was my guy. And guess where he went, guys? He didn't go to the Broncos, but he went to the Atlanta Falcons after the trade. The Broncos went and got J uh, Javante Williams. Pick number 40, Atlanta took my boy, Richie Grant. Dehane, good callback, man. The, we have the best viewers, dude, I swear. So good. Thank hey, you there, was a, there was a question I think uh, some people in chat were asking. Uh, Ajabo, do you see him falling to 64 with his Achilles, or do you think teams are no. still going to pick him up? I don't I, think so. Honestly, I still think he goes in the first round. I mean, there's just too much mm -hmm. upside for it. And I think that a lot of teams will try to talk to themselves into the fact that, oh, yeah, he could be available this year. I'll believe it when I see it. Um, I don't think Cam Akers is – I think he's more the exception than the rule at the moment. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's I, I don't think he does. I, at the very least, top 40. I, I don't disagree with you. I still think he goes in the first round. I think he's probably going to go um, within the top 25, quite honestly. Like there's, there's definitely um, – the, the concerns with the Achilles is, is a big deal, but at the same time, like the, the talents there, he still needs some time to develop, as Eric said, um, and uh, somebody's going to see him fall in love with the traits and whatnot. And if they have um, a couple of decent players, Cleveland actually kind of makes sense. If you think about it, um, a, a team, you know, even at 14 or 15 or what, 13, whatever the hell they're at, um, like that's like, they can, they can definitely take a guy like that, let him develop for a little bit and have a dynamic duo with miles Garrett there in a couple of years. So that, I mean, I, I still like Ojabo enough to potentially have him in the first round. All right, back to the draft here. We've got Sam Webb uh, again, Eric Azukanma. I'm not sure how to say that last name. Pardon me, guys. Uh, Jermaine Waller, Michael Woods, uh, Amari Carter, safety from Miami, uh, Jatire Carter from Southern, uh, Jashawn Corbin, Florida State, um, Charleston Rambo, a guy that I like uh, out of Miami. He's a wide receiver. Um, 
not a lot of special teams versatility, but just a guy that is just a solid pass catcher. Like he's, he's always, he finds a way to get himself open, not the best athlete, but I, it's been a guy that I've watched being a closet Miami fan. I've always had kind of a, a respect for Charleston Rambo. So that's an interesting one. And I know that the Broncos are wanting to get more cornerback and wide receiver depth, even with the guys that they have right now, because those are the guys you're going to fill your special teams units with. So that might be a, an interesting name to take a look at. Yeah. Sam Webb is the one I'm eyeing here. I, I think he can go a little bit earlier than this. He absolutely killed it at the combine. His RAS score is nine point three six. I I know that Denver most teams use a similar formula to RAS, and I'm sure that Sam Webb tested high. George Payton seems to like it. He likes those athletic aspects of it, and he tested well in the key areas that you're looking at for a corner. And I think Sam Webb, he's got some inside outside versatility. It's a little yeah. bit of a long shot because you're definitely taking a big jump in competition. But, I mean, the coaching staff, they want to focus on developing developing players. Well, here's a test for you. Yeah. Well, hell, we're pick 232. These are your dart throws. Like, you, you got to have a guy that's pounding the table. This is your scouting pick. You know, we had a guy that was a, an area scout somewhere around there and watched him and said, hey, you know, this guy fits with what we want to do with defensively. Like, this is, this is a good pick. And, Eric, I agree with you on that. Jeremy, what do you think, dude? Well, I just want to say, ha, 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 we're at my number two. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. But anyway, uh, I I think we need to take a corner here. I mean, if Sam Webb can if, – if he's got starter potential and he can be molded and shaped to be a very good corner, I don't see what's – and if he's got all the tools and, and – traits to to be a starting corner in the future grab them but i mean i don't see any other positions that we really need i mean we could get wide receivers out of the uh undrafted there's probably a bunch of undrafted guys you can get yeah, there's, yeah. There's, I mean, the undrafted free agents is, is always fun to take a look at. And that's where Eric really does a lot of his best work. Like everyone focuses on the top uh, the top 50, 100, maybe even top 150 players. Eric doing the, the work that he does got, what, 600 players scouted or something like that this year. It's just ridiculous. So the, the articles coming out with the undrafted free agents, that's where Eric really does his best work and shows off just the depth of knowledge that he has every single year. So, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a couple cornerbacks, a couple wide receivers, even a, maybe even another edge defender that the Broncos can take a look at uh, going into the undrafted free agency pool. But, guys, we got to wrap this up here. So let's take a big rundown. I'll just read them off really fast. Number 64 overall, Broncos take Josh Pascal, the edge from Kentucky. At number 75, Troy Anderson, linebacker, Montana State. Uh, number 96, James Cook, running back from, from Georgia. 115, Matt Areza, the punter from San Diego State. That's one of Eric's most favorite draft picks this year. Uh, Denver Broncos at 116 take D'Angelo Malone, edge defender out of Western Kentucky. 145, Braxton Jones, a guy that I really like, offensive tackle out of Southern Utah. Uh, 206, Nick Grant, a versatile safety from Virginia. And at 232 to wrap things up, small school prospect with a lot of high-end upside, Sam Webb, the cornerback from Missouri Western. Tom jumping in here with another super chat. He's been super heavy in the super chat today. And Tom, we appreciate you, man, for showing the love. Uh, do you think that North Carolina's running back will be undrafted? Uh, Eric, I'm not sure who he's talking about. Ty Chandler. And I, I think that I think he'll get here his name called somewhere fifth or sixth round this year. Okay. We'll see though. Uh, running back is a good class and you know the value of the position. Running backs don't matter. So is that a potential fit for Denver? It wouldn't be a bad one. I mean, later on, I, I don't think it's like an ideal fit. I don't think it's a great one, but it could work. Yeah. All right. 
Well, Travis jumping in here. Great show tonight, guys. Enjoy the rest of your night. Uh, and all, as always, go Broncos. Michael jumping in here. Great show tonight. Lance and Eric on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast with special guest Jeremy Black Knight. Let's ride and go Broncos. Now, Jeremy, dude, what do you think? How did we do with, with what we got? What do you think? Uh, did we get all the needs that we needed to grab? Did uh, grab some players that you like? And did we help you out understanding a little bit more of this draft class this year? Yeah, yeah, I think we got a lot of it, but. I just wonder if, like, if what's the worst case scenario is if we get a bad, if the bad board happens to crop up. That's what I'm kind of curious about. What, what kind of hay we can make with that? But this board looked really, really well. The draft, the, the prospects that we got was good, and it covered up a lot of needs that we we really needed to desperately fix. Um, and now as for the punter, I mean, I wouldn't have got him at three, but again, I just want to see the dude kick it off the damn Dallas Dallas little thing that's just what i want to see <laughs> just so that way i could say i could call my mom because she's a dallas fan and say hey mom did you see that she's like shut up <laughs> she made her always go after go at it <laughs> yeah and uh, and with this i mean not doing any trades definitely hurt a little bit it just adds so much extra time to do that figure out what the the value is and everything but there are multiple points with how that board fell that i think would have been opportune opportune times for Denver yeah. to move down, acquire more picks. They currently have only five picks in next year's draft. They're not looking at getting any compensatory picks next year either. So it's a, it would be, those would be good times to try to acquire a little bit additional 2023 draft capital. Yeah. But overall, yeah, I think that it was a, a good draft and we thank you for coming on and joining us. Yeah. Thanks yeah. guys. Now there is one thing I want to say, I got a bold take. If a corner, if the top, one of the top tier cornerbacks fall in the first round, I wouldn't be surprised if we trade up and try to get them. I wouldn't be surprised. That's actually a pretty bold take. And I, I, I agree with you on that one because we all know that George Payton loves to go and draft cornerbacks. Like he he's drafted, I think eight or nine different cornerbacks in his time, obviously with the, with the number nine overall pick last year, taking uh pass or tan, which was a move that neither Eric and I uh, really wanted. We wanted, we both kind of wanted Justin Fields there, but Seeing, seeing the way this kind of turned out has been a breath of fresh air because Sertan has played great. Fields is kind of struggling to adapt to the NFL life, but they need another guy. And um, I, I think that the guys that, they, that are at the top of this draft class, there's some versatility with each and every one of them. Uh, Sauce Gardner would be a guy if he did fall, which I don't think he's going to make it out of the top 10. Um, Derek Singley Jr., a little rough there. But uh, Andrew Booth Jr., who just had sports hernia surgery, that might be a guy to watch there because – the sports hernia surgery, I don't think that it's going to be a super huge deal. But with that, he could be a guy similarly to David Ojabo, a guy projected as the top 15 pick that could slide to the tail end of the first round where Denver might be able to target a guy like him because he's got versatility to play on the inside if he wanted to. And that would be a sneaky good move. Well, I think that's Oscar Gunner. I think that he'll be the first corner drafted. Me too. Um, Barrett Stingley, I've heard a lot of mixed reviews on a lot of it dealing with the injuries and there being a lot more concerns there than is being let on. So I wouldn't be surprised if he fell. Um, but I still think that he'll go somewhere in the first round, just a little bit later. Andrew Booth is one that's interesting, um, just because of what's going around on him. Um, and honestly, I don't think that outside of Sauce Garner, I don't think the other two are in most teams, top three corners, uh, Trent McDuffie and, um, Oh, Kyler Gordon? One? No, not Kyler Gordon. Um, and maybe, maybe it's two of the three. I can't remember. I'd have to pull up my pull up the list and everything and all that. Um, uh, Kerry Elam. 
the Florida okay. Houston, there seems to be a lot of love and support for him as being one of the top three corners. A lot of a lot of chatter of him going top fifty or uh, top twenty. Really, that's that's interesting to me. I, I like him. He's fluid, good man coverage cornerback. I question his own capabilities at times, but I like Kyrie Elam enough. I, I think he, he would maybe be a fit in Denver if they're going to run some more some more man stuff rather than the cover four stuff that they like to do. But uh, yeah, interesting stuff. Now, Jeremy. We're going to have to get out of here, man. So uh, before we get out of here, though, uh, I just want to just a quick shout out to you. Um, where can we find all your stuff, dude? I know you're a Twitch streamer. Give us your Twitter handle and stuff like that. After I grab this from Tom, uh, another super chat. Tom, dude, thank you. Thank you so much for your support tonight, man. It's great. Uh, would you trade Judy and a second to move up into the first? Depending on who was there, maybe, probably not. I think that I would rather keep Judy um, and, and 64 for right this second and and try to keep the offense intact. Um, but anyways, Jeremy, back to you here. Where can we find all your stuff? Uh, give us your Twitter handle, um, your Twitch stream, everything like that, all your social medias, and then we'll get you out of here, buddy. All right. Uh, anyway, you guys, you guys can find me on uh, Twitch at Black Knight 323. I do a lot of sci-fi games. I do a lot of strategy games. Stellaris and StarCraft is my main two right now. Uh, my Twitter is Black Knight 232. Uh, I just post memes and stuff on there. So if you guys like that stuff, you guys can engage with me if I ask me like, Hey, you know, what would I think that what we're going to do at this pick or this, that, this, that, and the third. I mean, I don't mind talking to everybody. Um, now as far as for what Tom said, if it was somebody else, not Judy, I'd probably do it depending on who the player was. But after looking at what Judy was doing with Russ, I think, I think Judy's going to feast this year. I think he's going to get a lot of tutties this year. I really do. I think he's going to be used the correct way, the way he should have been used. I don't disagree with you on that one. Now, Jeremy, thank you again for joining us. Um, again, guys, Black Knight 323. Um, is it 232 on Twitter? Yeah. Uh, Black Knight 232 on Twitter. Get at him. Give him all your comments, uh, all your feedback, anything you like, dislike, and whatnot. Jeremy, thank you again very much for joining us tonight. You take care, buddy. We'll see you later. All right. All right, guys, that was Jeremy. Uh, with that, guys, we're going to have to get out of here as well. Thank you all for joining us on the Dub Valley Deep Divers podcast. You guys can find us on Twitter by finding me at SandersonMHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also, shout out to Scott Kennedy back on uh, behind the glass this week at Scout uh, Kennedy on Twitter. Also, guys, while you're at it, make sure you guys are following at Mile High Huddle. That's some other account where you guys are going to find breaking news and analysis, film breakdowns, draft articles, opinion articles, anything covering your Denver Broncos. That's where you guys are going to find it. Uh, Facebook supporters, make sure you go to facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle Pod. That's the podcast account there. Where you guys are going to find anything regarding the Huddle Up Podcast content, including the Huddle Up Podcast. Uh, you'll have Building the Broncos, our show, Dove Valley Deep Divers, uh, uh, Broncos for Breakfast in the mornings, and then um, uh, Mile High Insiders on Saturdays as well. Um, folks, if you guys are financially able to do so and really want to have a great way of supporting the show, help spread the word as well. HuddleUpPod.com, guys. That's where you get yourself a hat. There's a T-shirt, uh, a hoodie, face mask, a onesie for your baby if that's your thing. That's the merch tent, guys. HuddleUpPod.com. If you guys are not financially able to do so, everybody is capable of doing these three things. You should be doing them for a long time now. Subscribe wherever you guys get your podcast content, uh, whether it's on YouTube specifically, but Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, no matter what. Anything Mile High Huddle, Huddle Up Podcast, subscribe, please. Like every video you guys see on all social media platforms. And if you love it, share it. 
get it in front of as many Broncos fans as possible because without your guys' support, we could not do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now, with that, Eric, I want your quick thoughts on this mock draft, and then we're going to get out. Oh, Andrew Baker jumping in here. Some love for the Valley boys, he said. Yes, sir. Uh, Eric, thank you for, quick. Thank you for joining us, Andrew. We appreciate that. Yeah. Um, thanks again, Andrew. Sorry about that. Eric, I want your quick thoughts. We're kind of pressed for time here. So quick thoughts on the mock draft, how it turned out, uh, any corrections you wanted to make there, um, and then we'll get out of here real quick. I mean, there are a few positions I would have targeted a little bit earlier. Um, I would have liked to have seen an interior defensive lineman added at some point. Um, overall, it's not bad. Would have liked to see corner target a little bit earlier, maybe wait on that second edge a little bit longer and kind of balance that out. Um but I mean, it turned out fine. Got some prospects that I really like, um, and filled some holes for that the Broncos need to fill before, and that could be needs next year. So, yeah, yeah, it, I I thought it was pretty solid. Um, I, I know going back to back edges. Well, I guess not back to back edges, but early edges is something that I really value in this class. We talked about that a little bit on the show. Um, you know, this edge class is so deep and the Broncos need a lot of depth there. Um, Jonathan Cooper needs to develop a little bit more. Malik Reed just hasn't been quite the consistent player that you need. Um, getting Pascal, getting um, D'Angelo Malone, those are two really twitchy guys, lengthy guys that can play uh, really well on the outside. I think D'Angelo Malone, if you use him correctly as a blitzer, he can blitz the, eight, uh, the B gaps a little bit. So that's a, that's a great great way to go about that cornerback would be something that I would look at a little bit earlier. Um, we had Martin Emerson on the board, not quite the best fit, but still would have at least given it the Broncos another option there. Um, and then I love the, the Braxton Jones pick, man. That was a, that was a big need for this Broncos team moving forward in the long term. Um, and I think that Jones has the high end versatility and the upside to be able to be one of those guys uh, that the Broncos can rely on in the next four to five years. So it was a great, a great time. And thank you again, Jeremy. We'll give you one more shout out really fast before we get out of here. Eric, any last words? No, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you guys for all of your guys' continued support. We will be back next week, and I think we're doing Would You Rather, so it's going to be yes. interesting. Because last time we did yes. it, we still had the we still had the first and the fourth, the ninth and fortieth overall pick. So it's going to be a little bit interesting. It's going to be a little bit tougher on you to try to find those good Would You Rather's to spark that conversation Dude, when you're the last talking one. about sixty fourth and later picks. So well, the, the last the last Would You Rather questions, I had you stumped on a couple of them because I brought some <laughs> freaking heat, guys. Like it was it was awesome. Make sure you guys go check that out. That was the beginning. Uh, see, right before the combine, I believe, is when that episode dropped. Uh, check it out, Mile High Huddle on the YouTube page. But anyways, with that, guys, we're gonna have to get out of here. Thank you all again for joining the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. Um, for Eric Trickle, I'm Lance Sanderson. You guys stay safe and take care. Have a great and safe weekend, guys. We'll see you guys same time, same place next week. And as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.